0: We're in Luke's Gospel this Advent and Christmas, um, noticing the way that uh, Luke is setting up the story and sharing how Jesus came into the world. We've looked at the story, uh, how God has used people so far uh, to help this along, people like Zechariah and Elizabeth, uh, people like Mary and Joseph. And today we will take a look at John the Baptist and his unique role in preparing the world for Jesus. Um, so turn with me now in your Bibles to Luke chapter 3 on page 15, 1593 in your few Bibles. The words won't be on the screen, so please follow along. Luke chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, uh, Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Euteria, and Trichonitis and Lysanias, tetrarch of Albilene, during the high priesthood of An- Annas and Cephas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the desert. He went into all the country around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight, the rough way smooth, and all mankind will see God's salvation. "'What shall we do then?' the crowd asked. John answered, "'The man with two tunics should share with him who has none, "'and the one who has food should do the same.' "'Tax collectors also came to be baptized. "'Teacher,' they asked, "'what should we do?' "'Don't collect any more than you are required to,' he told them. "'Then some soldiers asked him, "'And what should we do?' "'He replied, "'Don't extort money.' And don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people were waiting expecta- expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, and the thongs the thongs of whom, whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and preached good news to them. But when John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things he had done, Herod added this to them all. He locked John up in prison. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear friends of Jesus Christ, John the Baptist is a memorable character. If he were alive today, he'd be the guy driving around town with semi-offensive religious bumper stickers all over the back of his car. Bumper stickers like, Turn or Burn, or Repent Ye from Sin. If John were the relative at... The Christmas party, he'd be that relative that you don't want to ask any religious questions because, you know, it's going to be three hours before he's done. I have noticed that John never makes it into the Christmas pageant. I guess we'd rather not be called a brood of vipers on Christmas Eve. But truthfully, no Advent season is complete until we've had an opportunity to be yelled at by John. It's his special job, after all to prepare a people who are ready to meet their God. John the Baptist. What do we know about this extreme character in the Christmas story? Well, first of all, we know that his birth was pretty miraculous. His parents, being older, did not believe that they could have children anymore. But then one day the angel Gabriel visited Zechariah, John's father, while Zechariah was at work in the temple. And Gabriel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. And then Gabriel went on to describe the special role this child would fill, and the special mission this child would have. Your son would be filled with the Holy Spirit, he said, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. There it is. That's John's origin story, and there is his special purpose. He has been sent to prick hearts, to change lives, and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Like Elijah was called uh, way back in the days of Israel to Proclaim the word of the Lord to a rebellious people. So John will carry out this prophetic ministry. John's a prophet, essentially. He's called to speak the word of the Lord. Now, sometimes we think of prophets as being people who predict the future, or they tell what's going to happen down the road. But future telling is really not the prophet's main job. In the Bible, the prophet's main job is to to preach the law, to hold forth the word of the Lord and let people know what will happen with them if they do not heed the word of the Lord. You see, when God was setting up his covenant with Israel, he gave Israel remarkably clear instructions. At the end of Deuteronomy, we read this. It basically says, Keep my laws, and it will go well with you. Ignore my laws and it will not go well with you so prophets essentially took that word in in flowery language proclaimed it to the people come back to the lord repent obey his word it will go well with you ignore his word keep going your own way and well the assyrians are at the door and god's going to let them come in turn back to the lord or face the judgment that's coming. Like, half the Bible (laughs) is basically that message uh, in very um, flowery language. And this is exactly what John does. When the crowds come out to him, he proclaims this hard word. Turn back to the Lord. You brood of vipers, he says to the crowds. I mean, who warned you to flee the coming wrath? What's that? Oh, you say you have Abraham as your father? Who cares? Your last name is not going to protect you from what's coming. Show me the fruit, people. Turn your lives around. The axe is already at the root of the tree, and every tree that doesn't bear fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Now you'd think that with a message like this, there wouldn't be a lot of people surrounding john this is not seeker sensitive preaching this is hard stuff but amazingly many are drawn to it in fact given john's rural location by the jordan people would have had to have packed an overnight bag to get yelled at by john what drew them what did they hear in his preaching and teaching that that called them out to come down into the river to receive the baptism. Maybe they were tired of the watered-down teaching they were receiving in the synagogue. Maybe their consciences were pricked by the Holy Spirit and they knew deep, deep down that it was time for a change. Here's the thing. Sometimes it's actually really refreshing when someone has the gumption to stand up and tell the truth there's something in that that yes it might turn us off for a moment but it also speaks to something deep within us we all know deep down that life is serious business and it can go seriously off the rails if we don't live it with some serious intentionality humans are profoundly capable of self-delusion but but we're not dumb and somewhere around age 25 or 30 or 40 Or any time, really, we come to these moments of realization that if we don't get our act together, we're going to end up going down like a tree without water. Sometimes we need a spoonful of sugar to help the medicine go down, but sometimes the best medicine is to be hit with the spoon. Yeah, it doesn't give anyone the warm fuzzies to be called a brood of vipers, but if your life is heading for the fire, and you know it, and Judgment Day is coming, and you know it. Isn't it a mercy that God sends someone to speak the truth? I'm sure that many heard John and they turned and left. I'm not here. I'm not hearing this. I'm, I'm gone. So Herod certainly had that. He heard this, he's like, yeah, this guy's, this guy's dead. But for others, it was the word they needed to hear at the time they needed to hear it And with tears in their eyes, they entered the Jordan to receive John's baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. You can tell their consciences are pricked. I mean, look at the questions they ask of John. What must we do, John, they ask. Well, says John, produce fruit. Show with your living that you are serious about the things that God is serious about. If you have two shirts in your closet, give one to someone who doesn't have any. If you have two loaves of bread in your freezer, give one to someone who has none. If you have three bikes in your basement, that's me, give one and a half. Probably John would say, give two. Give two. If you have two cars in the driveway, two houses, where does this stop? In other words, share share some tax collectors had come out to hear john's message too what must we do they asked well says john don't collect more than you ought to in other words be fair do your job don't exploit some soldiers were there and they asked john the same question so now we're seeing it's not just jewish people that are coming out right We've got Romans. We've got all groups of people. You can see in this picture, it's actually quite a diverse crowd. Some soldiers are there, so they ask John the same question. What should we do? And to them, John replies, well, don't, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. In other words, do the right thing. I love how John makes repentance personal and very applicable Justice is not something that judges should do here or there. It's actually for everyone to do with whatever they have. Right living is not abstract. It's concrete. Everyone can take a step towards it. I wonder what John would say to you in your situation in life. What does sharing, being fair, and doing justice look like for the teacher, the retiree, the Honda worker, the farmer? All of us live our lives before the face of God. All of us are seen by God. And one day, we will stand before Him. We have to give an account. When He comes to set the world right, will we be a people prepared? Will He find us doing justice, loving mercy, walking humbly with Him? Will He find us sharing, being fair? Or will He find us crunching the numbers and, you know, focusing so much on our portfolio or find us in our walk-in closets wondering what to wear. Let the bumpy roads be made smooth, says John. Let the crooked paths be made straight. The Lord comes. Do what's right. Now in John's mind, the day of the Lord's appearing, judgment day, this was at hand. Uh, He thought, this is imminent. It is coming down the pipe, people prepare. And he fully expected that the one coming after him, the Messiah, was going to come swinging the axe of God's justice. John expected Jesus to separate the wheat from the chaff and to burn the chaff with unquenchable fire. But then what actually happened? Well, in some ways, Jesus looked and sounded like the one John thought he would be. I mean, he taught with authority. He cast out demons. He brought the hammer down upon those trying to turn a prophet in the temple. But in other ways, Jesus was something of a letdown for John. I mean, instead of wielding the flame thrower of God's wrath, Jesus got into line with the other sinners and went down into the Jordan to receive John's baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. I was reading some commentary on this artwork. Uh, I can't remember the uh, uh, painter. He's a Peter uh, or something. Um, but anyway, there's a lot of expectation in the crowd. And could it be that Jesus is there listening to the message? Just with all the other people. Just getting in line with the other sinners. So when Jesus shows up to be baptized, John's like, huh? I shouldn't be baptizing you you should be baptizing me you know with fire and the Holy Spirit and while in prison John even had a few of his people uh, bring a message to Jesus that message being this are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else being a prophet John knew the law and he knew the seriousness of Seriousness of God in the Old Testament. God's serious opposition to sin. What he didn't know, fully at least, was the gospel. I mean, why did Jesus get into line with other sinners to receive John's baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins? Well, he didn't do it because he personally was in need of repentance or cleansing. Rather, he did it to associate himself with those who did. God's wrath against sin and injustice did actually come to bear within Jesus' ministry, but most of it didn't land on those who deserved it. Instead, it fell upon Jesus himself. He stood in front of the fruitless tree of humanity and took the blow. He was taken out of the city and burned on the cross like chaff with unquenchable fire. John expected the Lion of Judah, but instead Jesus, in his first coming, came as a lamb without blemish to bear the sins of the world. Paul describes this, this this great exchange, this great surprise like this in 2 Corinthians. He says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. You see, God is serious about sin. It needs to be dealt with. It doesn't belong in his good creation. But he's also serious about sharing this world that he has created with his beloved image bearers, you and me. In the past, God dealt with the injustice of humanity by sending the flood. But when that judgment day was done, he made a promise that he would never, ever do that again as his end goal is not a world void of people. So somehow the sin needs to be taken out, taken care of, never to return, but the people need to remain. How can such a deliverance take place? It's only through this great exchange, the righteous one for the unrighteous. And on the cross, we see all of this plan coming together. We see Jesus bearing in his body, God's fierce opposition against sin. And we see it taking it away. And this is serious, seriously good news. For if you think about it, if Jesus did come in the way John expected him to come, I mean, who among us could stand before him? If Jesus came wielding the axe, we would have... We have no leg to stand on and we'd be going down. He sees our heart. He sees everything. And so what we celebrate at Christmas and, of course, at Easter, it's not just about the baby in the manger. It's about about what the baby has come to do. This is what Gabriel said to Joseph about Jesus. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. John baptized with water. This momentary cleansing, this momentary restart, this repentance. I want to begin again. But Jesus cleans us in this much, much deeper way. He pours his spirit out upon us. He forgives our sins. He clothes us with righteousness. And over the course of our lives, he burns away that which doesn't belong. He writes the law on our heart. I hope and pray that this good news touches you somehow this Christmas. Know that whatever sins you're bearing right now, that Jesus came to take them away. He doesn't come to hack you down or to burn you with unquenchable fire. See him getting in the baptismal line beside you, identifying with you in every way. See him carrying the cross to take away the sins of the world, yours included, and receive his Holy Spirit and the sanctifying fire of uh, the way that he changes us from the inside out. Now, while it's true that Jesus' first coming was not as dramatic as John expected it to be, there's reason to believe that his second coming will be much more in line with John's vision. For the scriptures and the creed testify that the day is coming when Jesus will return to judge the living and the dead. Judgment day is coming and on that day the Bible teaches there will be this great separation the chaff will be separated from the wheat the sheep from the goats and justice will finally and forever be done those who are in Christ need not fear this day for as the Heidelberg Catechism says the one who comes to judge is the one who has already bore all of our sins in his body But what about those who are not in Christ? Well, it's never too late to face the seriousness of life and to receive the new life that God has for us in Christ. We live our lives before the face of God, He sees, He knows, and there will be an end point. And that is good news because this world needs an end point. There is so much injustice and evil, and it needs to be dealt with, and it cannot stay. We need that moment of reckoning, and it is coming. It is never too late to put your faith in Christ. And in the meantime, what does it look like for us to live in such a way that we join with John in helping the world be prepared for that great and also terrible day. Well, let us share and let us be fair and let us do what is right. What does it look like for us to be a prophetic community whose life together prepares the world for what is to come? I think think the early church modeled this well. In response to Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension, they devoted themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word and they did justice. Whoever had food, shared with those in need. And whoever had resources to spare, well, they brought them to the apostles' feet and shared with those who had none. In our culture, Christmas is a time to accumulate. But John the Baptist reminds us that Jesus' coming is not a time to accumulate. It is a time to remember our call to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with our God. It is a time to share with those in need. And so let's continue our role as God's people in the here and now as we await his return, living justly, doing the right thing, and remembering always that our life is hidden in Christ with God and that the Lamb has taken away the sins of the world. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you for sending prophets to wake us up, to call us out of our slumber, to remind us of the seriousness of life. Thank you for sending John, Lord, to prepare the way. Lord Lord Jesus, we are in awe of who you are and what you've done and how you stepped in. Not to bring us down, but to protect us from the judgment we deserved. Lord, help us to share this good news. I also pray that this good news would just sink home deeply into our hearts this day and this Christmas. And help us too, Lord, to be a prepared people, uh, not accumulating, but Sharing, not dealing unjustly, but dealing justly. Empower us by your spirit to do the right thing that we might show the world your way a better way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.